Is, is that on? Um, my son's birthday is on Thanksgiving also. Skyler, our third child born on the 23rd, which was also his grandmother's birthday was on the 23rd and his mother's birthday was on the 23rd. And it, the story goes on even a lot longer than that, but I'll leave it at that. Um, we're in the Acts chapter 15 this morning for a few minutes. Then we're going to be gone from Acts 15. We're going to go to 10 and 11 for a good portion of the time. Then we'll go back to Acts 15 for a little bit. Um, this series of messages that the elders have set up is about the life of Paul. But Paul is not the main character this morning. Peter is. And uh, if you ask the average Christian, which of the apostles do you most identify with? Um, I think most of us would say Peter. But unfortunately, you know, Peter, all of his bad stuff shows up in Scripture. I'm sure the other apostles did stuff that was not very kosher either, but, uh, but theirs didn't make Scripture. So Peter's does, and he does it again today um, with his response to what God is trying to show him. Um, but traditions, that's what we're basically talking about. Uh, Tim shared with us last week that the issue here is that a, a group of men from Jerusalem had gone up to the Antioch where Paul and Barnabas had share, was sharing the, were sharing the gospel and the church was growing. And these guys show up and said, you know, if, the, if these people really want to be Christians, they've got to be circumcised. And that's the whole issue. How, what traditions from the law have to be maintained to be a believer? Um, when I think about traditions, I think of Judy's favorite movie, Fiddler on the Roof. And uh, Teviev says, you know, traditions. Uh, I try to write down the quote. Why do we have them? Because of traditions, we know who we are and what God expects of us. And that's sort of what is going on here. They knew the, who they were. They were Jewish. And they knew what God expected of them to be circumcised. And that's, those traditions reminded them of, of, of what God wanted. You know, and traditions are good but they can be changed. And we're going to see a major change in the traditions this morning. You know, we have, uh, we first started attending Titan Drive in 1976. And I was thinking the other day, man, that's over 40 years ago. That's a long time. Uh, no wonder I feel so old. But uh, the, uh, we had traditions here that have changed. One of them was breaking, in breaking bread, we used to use leavened bread. No, was it right or wrong? No, it was neither. It was a tradition that we had that we uh, used leavened bread. And I remember when we made the change, uh, one individual who was sitting here this morning came to, to me and said, you know, this is why I think we should continue with leavened bread. And I, I appreciated that. He had a reason for his belief that it could be leavened bread. Um, we also had another tradition that there were no instruments during breaking bread. Many of you remember that. Um, Another one, what, what are these things over here? Drums in church? That was, that was unheard of. But, uh, and it always works out. Brian is here every other week, and he's never here the week I'm here. But I remember Brian and I were having a discussion. It wouldn't be the same without the drums anymore. But, so that was a tradition that we changed. Um, for the early church, the, since they were mostly Jewish, they were bringing with them the traditions of being Jews. And one of those was circumcision. Uh, but they're in a transitional period from the age of the law 
to the age of grace. And that's the key thing we need to remember here, that we're changing from the age of the law to the age of grace. Now, I remember, how many of you, I won't ask for a show of hands, many of you remember our Jewish brother, Michael Zinzer. And I always appreciated when he shared in breaking the bread or from the pulpit, he often, from his Jewish tradition, would point out how clearly those many of those traditions and the things of the law pointed to Christ. And so traditions have good things about them, but sometimes they need to be changed. So back to what Tim shared last week. We got these guys that have gone up to Antioch. They have, um, they've gone there and said, you know, you guys need to circumcise all these new believers. And... Paul and Barnabas had a heated discussion with them, and so much so that they said, well, let's take this to the church in Jerusalem, uh, where the, the apostles and the elders that were. Let's go down there and have a talk with them and see, let's get this thing worked out because we need to get it worked out. So if you're in cha Acts chapter 15, um, verses, let's read verses 6 and 7. The apostles and elders were gathered together to consider this matter, the matter of circumcision. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now what is Peter talking about here? How do, what, how do they know that he was the one that was sent? And he was the one to go to the Gentiles. Well, turning your Bibles back a few chapters to Acts chapter 10. And let's take a look at the, this event that Peter uh, is telling these guys about. And I'm sure he pretty much did what I'm going to do. Uh, you know, he probably was much better at it than I. He reminded these guys of what had happened uh, with this, this man named Cornelius, uh, who lived in Caesarea, which, is, by the way... Um, Gary and Cheryl, or there they are. We've been to Caesarea, right? And a beautiful, it's right on the coast. It's so beautiful there. And I think that's why this guy's there. He thinks it's a pretty good deal. From He's from Italy. He's an, from the Italian guard. And uh, this Cornelius is an army officer. And he, he is, a, well, Scripture calls him in verse chapter 10, verse 2, a devout man who feared God with all his household, and gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Now, I don't think at this point this man is necessarily what we would call a believer. He didn't even know of Jesus. Probably, he probably heard about this guy from just what was going on in the, the area. Um, but he was not what we really call a Bible-believing believer. He didn't know that Jesus had died for his sins and had redeemed him. Um, so, Mike, you know, one, one thing I wonder is, what did he pray? It says he was continually praying. Well, I think from the story, we get that he probably was praying, Lord, show me what I need to know. Show me what I need to believe. Because an angel appears to him and tells him what he needs to do to get that information. Now, the question is, does God answer the prayer of sinners? In Isaiah, it says, 
I don't even listen. If you're a sinner, I don't even listen to your prayers. But also, in, there's a verse in John chapter 9, verse 31 that says, We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God, which, which the Cornelius was, tells us he was a devout worshiper of God, he was a worshiper of God and does his will, which we know he did because he gave alms to the poor. And the, and the scripture, especially in the Old Testament, is very heavy on the importance of helping poor people. Um, so he was, he was a worshiper and he was doing God's will. So if you do that, scripture tells us in verse 931 of John, God will listen to you. So God hears his prayer and the, an angel appears to him and says, what I need you to do is I need you to send for this guy named Peter. Now, he happens to be about 32 miles away uh, down in Joppa, and, but you need to say, and he's staying at the house of a guy named Simon, uh, a tanner, which you could probably find a tanner's house because I've heard that tanning leather has a unique smell, uh, sort of like you can always find a pig farmer. But uh, he sends, and, and so he, uh, the angel says, go and get this guy named Peter and, and have him brought up to you. So he doesn't really know why he's sending for him, but he says, the angel says to, so I'll do it. His obedience, obedience, uh, which Peter struggles with in the passage that we're going to look at. Um, but so in verse 9, it says, the next day, is these guys that he sends, uh, the next day on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the household about the sixth hour to pray. Now, I always find God's timing amazing. Isn't it amazing? These guys are about to get to town. They're, they're about to rise in, arrive in Joppa. And at that moment, God says, Peter, I've got a message for you. Now, Peter was, well, let's look at verses 10 through 16. Um, and he, that's Peter, became hungry and wanted to eat something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter, being Peter, said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is, that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the, and the things were taken up, taken up at once. Does it, Peter has, must have a thing about three. You know, he denied Christ three times. God says to him three times, do you love me? Uh, but Peter also has an issue with just obedience and doing, and not trying to go against God. Remember his, when he told, when God, when Jesus told him, I have to go up to Jerusalem and I'll be killed. And what does Peter say? No way. You're not going to do that. And what's God's response to him? Get behind me, Satan. And we know Peter wasn't Satan. God was trying to make the point. You are letting, allowing Satan to work in your life and to work against me. Uh, so, and in this case, God tells him, rise, kill and eat. And what's his response? No way. Wait a minute, you're getting a message from God and you're going to say no to God? And he says it 
three times, it says. God has to tell him three times before he finally gets the message that I have something to learn here. Um, I also call this just-in-time learning. You know, every teacher in the room will tell you kids will learn when they, they know they need to learn. It's, some, it's worthwhile to them. That's why I think, don't think anybody should ever teach quadratic equations. Who, how many of you have used quadratic equations in your life? Nobody. Nobody. Oh, John. Uh, an engineer. An engineer will. But when did he learn it and, and really make sense to him? When he needed to know it. And this is the case where Peter needed to know something. And God says, this is the perfect time for you to learn this. And this is the vision I'm giving you. Now, I've heard this passage used to explain why we can, you don't have to be a vegetarian. You can eat. But that's not the point of this. Peter clearly recognizes what's the point. And we'll see what he says uh, here in a little bit. Uh, so, while he was, then it says, there, while he was pondering the vision, he's trying to figure, what does this all mean? God has given me a message about being able to eat things that the law clearly says you don't eat those things. Even says reptiles were in that, in that sheet. And how many of you have ever eaten reptiles? Uh, rattles, I've eaten rattlesnake. It tastes just like... Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, um, so God is giving him a message. And while he's pondering it, guess who shows up at the door? Those three guys, two servants and a soldier that were being, had sent from Cornelius. Uh, it taken him about two days to get there. We know that because Cornelius will eventually say, four days ago I saw this angel. And it's 32 miles, so they're making about 16 miles a day walking. Uh, I don't, don't think I'm up for that. Uh, but, they, they, but that's all, you know, that was the only transportation they had, so they were used to it. Um, they, they show up at the door, and they tell them, uh, the Holy Spirit tells Peter, go with them. Wherever, wherever they want you to go, go with them. So... Peter does. He goes, they pack a lunch probably and head back out down on the road, headed back up uh, to Caesarea to see Cornelius. Um, and when Peter gets there, the first thing that Cornelius does is fall down in front of him and try to worship him. And Peter responds as he should have. says, get up. Get up. I am just a man like you. Notice the connection he makes. He doesn't try to separate him from, you know, I'm somebody special. I'm an apostle. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Peter. Uh, he doesn't do that. He just says, get up. Uh, God has sent me here. But then he says something that you and I would probably find offensive. In verse 28, he says, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew like me to associate with you or to visit anyone of another nation. But but, but, God has shown me that I should not call any person unclean. He got the message of the dream. The message of the dream was nothing to do with animals and being you know, clean or whatever with eating them. The message was that God respects all people the same and God doesn't want you or I or anyone else looking down our noses at other people because of their race, 
their gender, whatever. We have no reason to do that. And Peter is saying, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Now, you need to understand a little bit about what was that, that society. The, the teachers of the law had added so much stuff to the law uh, that they required, if you were out in public and you knew there were Gentiles in the area, non-Jewish people, you would take your robes and you'd hold them tight against yourself lest your robe touch a Gentile. And if you did touch a Gentile, you had to take that robe in for a special ceremony and special cleansing so that you didn't have the corruption of the world, the corruption of the Gentiles. Um, do we do that sometimes? Do we sometimes try to set ourselves apart from people who we may not look at as well? Oh, well, they don't fellowship like we do. They don't do this or that. I think uh, another, at least it was a thought for me as I was studying this. So that's where Peter's coming from when he says to these guys, you know, I, I, can't, I, have to, I can't even be around you guys, but God has told me um, that I should not consider anybody common or unclean. So then he, Peter asked Cornelius, why did you send me? Why did you send for me? And Cornelius says, well, four days ago, an angel appeared to me and said for me to do it. I was obedient. I have just done what the angel told me to do. And while he's waiting for them to go down to Joppa, get Peter, bring him back, he does missionary work. Because he invites all of his friends, all of his family into this event. We've got somebody that's going to come that's going to share something special with us. So come on over. And I'm sure they probably had a big feast and everything while they're waiting. And he's got a ready-made church, I guess. Well, they weren't believers, so they couldn't be part of the church. But he's got an, an audience that's ready to listen to what Peter has to say. So what does Peter do? Exactly what you'd expect him to do. He shares the gospel with them. And it says that he, uh, he told them that Jesus was sent to earth. He did many wonderful miracles to prove that he was sent from God and that he was God, uh, that he was crucified, that he was buried, that he rose again, and I and many of my friends, Peter's telling him, we saw this. We saw the risen Savior. And that really is the gospel, isn't it? Jesus came to earth, proved, by, proved who, that he was God by living a sinless life and performing many miracles, that he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again. That's the gospel. And Peter shares that gospel with him. Um, and... Uh, there was good results. Chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still saying th these things, presenting the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, so there were other believers that went with him, um, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on even the Gentiles. On even, even the Gentiles. They were shocked, these Jewish believers. They were shocked that the Gentiles could believe. But they had the evidence in front of them. 
Why did they, were they shy? For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Notice a um, little side, side thing here on baptism. They didn't have to sit with the elders and go through a class. They didn't have to spend three years proving that they were Christians, proving that they were living a good life. They didn't have to do anything like that. They believed and were baptized, I think, the same day, within hours of believing. Baptism is commanded for us as believers, and it's not something that we, we can kind of, oh, maybe I should be baptized, maybe I shouldn't be baptized. We're commanded to be baptized, and as soon as possible. So that's, so that's what went on. Uh, Peter goes up there, shares the gospel, um, and they, they're, it's, it implies, the passage implies that everyone that was there, family, friends, all became believers and were baptized. And they didn't have time to, to heat up the baptismal so it was comfortable. Uh, of course, they were in Israel, sort of on the coast. Of, they were right, in fact, in Caesarea, right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. So the water was probably quite comfortable. Um, but so then uh, Peter uh, goes in chapter 11. You would think he, he retells this whole story. And why does he have to retell this whole story? Because you would think that the believers in Jerusalem would think, this is great, this is awesome. These people have come to know the Lord. But notice what it says, now the apostles, and this is chapter 1, verse, excuse me, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now the apostles and their brothers who were out through Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of the Lord. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now, I don't know, is, are these guys believers? Well, they're hanging out with the church. They're there where, as Peter's sharing this story, and they said, no, 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 Peter, this can't be because these are uncircumcised people. Why were you even sharing the gospel with them? So now Peter tells them the whole story. And by the way, Chapter 10, chapter 11, same, same passage, basically, same story, almost many places, word for word, exactly the same. When God tells us something twice, in a row, it must be pretty important. God wants us to learn from this. And um, so Peter tells him the whole story about what happened at Cornelius' house, and then in verse 17 of 11, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. Now, I don't know about you, but a bunch of Jewish guys who've been debating something quite vigorously fell silent. And we'll see that also happens later at the, at the Jerusalem Council. When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Do you realize how significant this is in history? 
Everyone sitting in this room who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and has accepted him as a Savior, that's about you. That's about you. You are a, well, I would think almost all of us are, you are a Gentile. And this was a huge transition for the Jewish church that Gentiles could believe. Aren't you thankful this morning that you as a Gentile are accepted into the family of God? That's something that we should rejoice about all the time. Um, and then let's go back to Acts 15 now and get back to the, the, the Jerusalem Council. Acts 15 verses, I'm going to read 16, 6 through 9. We've read 6 already, but let's... Brothers, you know in the early days that God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles including Cornelius and his family and friends, should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God knows the heart, bore witness to them, giving, by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did, did us, and cleansed their, cleansed their hearts by faith. You know, I'm sure Peter felt somewhat like our parents did. You ever have your parents tell you, I told you once and I don't want to tell you again? Well, that's what Peter is doing here. I told you once back then, and it, I don't, I'm kind of upset that I have to tell you again. But you need to understand, there's an 11-year span of time from Cornelius' event to the council in Jerusalem, 37 uh, A.D. to 48 A.D. approximately. So it's not like he told them yesterday. Uh, so they've had time to forget. Um, then verse 10, Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the, of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. Notice, this is interesting, isn't it? Why are you testing God? Or another way of putting it, why are you questioning God? How do you have the nerve to stand up and say, oh, they can't be believers, when God has already, by giving them the Holy Spirit, proven, shown that they are believers? Are you questioning God? And... And then they, it, it says that they fell silent. Again, these guys are, oh, I'm questioning God? I better not do that. Uh, and he says, now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test? The yoke of the, on their neck. What is the yoke? The law. The law that was burdened that we can't even bear. The law only points to God and points to Jesus, and points to salvation. It's a yoke that nobody can keep and hold or carry. Because James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law, keeps the whole law, but fails in one point, has become guilty of it all. There is not a person in this room that would have the nerve to say, I've never done anything against God or God's law. We all know that we have failed. And we all know that it's impossible for us to keep the law and gain salvation. But, Peter says in verse 11, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. How are you saved? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. As Tim shared with us last week. That's how we're saved. We don't, we just like Cornelius 
and his soldiers and his servants and his friends and family, just like they believed, here 2,000 years later, you and I believe. And it's the same exact way. We can't earn it. We can't work hard enough. We can only do it through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And as we were in breaking the bread this morning, we spent time remembering the shed blood of Jesus Christ and how he has redeemed us. And then verse 12, it says, And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them <clears throat> among the Gentiles. So they go, oh, we're done talking. And uh, does anybody else have anything else to say on this issue? And Paul and Barnabas step up. Get Paul into this a little bit today. Paul and Barnabas step up and say, this is what we saw. This is what we have seen. This is how God has worked. And we have seen, like Peter has already told you, we have seen Gentiles come to the Lord. Now this whole passage is anecdotal evidence of what God was doing. There's no, from what we read here, there's no sharing of Scripture. But next week, I think Eric is going to be sharing James. What James goes directly to Scripture. It's almost I can see what happened in the room. I like to visualize these people as real people. Um, and James says, I, I got something to add. And I'm going to show you from the from the prophets, how what these guards are saying is true. But you and I this morning can just rejoice that what they were saying is true, that you and I can be or have been redeemed by the precious shed blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Peter. We thank you, <clears throat> excuse me, we thank you for his role in the building of the church. And we just pray that this morning it'll sink into us that you consider nothing common or unclean, but you want to redeem everyone. And we can just praise you for that this morning. Amen.